Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Tales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued and ever more complex crisis. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. I'm going to open with a question. When you say I love you to your wife and your daughters, what do you mean? Um, I think it's the appreciation of who they are in my experience, one who has opened up their life to me, one who's interested in my life, one who is um, able to hold me and also to challenge me. Mm. Um, one whom I can um, start the day out with and end the day with in shared space. Mm. Um, one that, um, you know, the words, as you well know, cannot really captivate the, the true meaning of, of love. But it's something mm. that, it's a connection that I feel. Um, when I look at her, when I look at my wife and when I look at my children, there is a connection that I have, a special connection that I have with, the, with them that, uh, you know, causes me to draw closer to them, um, even when we may have had strong words with one another uh, in terms of argument or whatever. Uh, <laughs> one is able to, to come through that and to transcend those things together and to still feel that even when one is moved on many seasons with the, you know, with, with my partner. Mm. And I think a lot of the time, you know, um, pictures do help us um, when we look back at where it all started. I've got a photo here on my, on my, um, on our um, dressing table of a picture that, uh, I, we took that it was taken of us on our basically first date that we had mm -hmm. and I just still look there and I say why did she choose me <laughs> you know <laughs> and um, and uh, whenever I say to her you know you are that person to me then it's almost as if given the fact that we've now grown older mm. and so there are changes that um, she doesn't think that she's still the same as when we as when we met. So mm. yeah, I think it's that deep appreciation for who the person is, what the person does, and how I'm able to connect to that person, feel connected to that person all the time. Mm. That's a good answer. So this is all like framing the kind of the context of the theme that you have bestowed upon this the fifth Sunday of Easter, which is the meaning of love revealed. So I know it's taken from a line in the collect, um, which says, gracious God, your son revealed the meaning of love. Uh, but you've also included a couple of, of quotes here. Um, and the first one is very interesting. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. And that's by Augustine. Uh, I 
have a very similar reason behind my I love yous to my wife, where it's an appreciation of the fact that she still finds it necessary to spend time with me. <laughs> Or at least to keep me around, and and I and I really I really appreciate that because I think over the years, um, just to see her blossom as a person, um, just growing in confidence, in knowledge of herself, in it's like we were having a conversation this morning where she had already considered the conclusions that I had got to about myself, so it was like. I was telling her something that I was reflecting on and what the conclusion was that I came to. And she was like, and she could preempt my, my, my response. And, 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 I, and I truly appreciate that. But that is more out of humanity, out of my curiosity about her person, about her humanity, where this, this love of God concept is... It, it kind of gives life, love this, this character that, that I don't think it has. Because um, as the darkness once said in, 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 in a song, love is only a feeling. It's all the other things, that appreciation, that those relationships, those, those other things, your, your interest in the person that, that transcends love. But then we, 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 we are anchored to this idea that love is like the be-all and end-all emotion. What 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 does the what does your theology tell you about God and love and the love of God? You know, um, the words that came to my mind is the words of uh, the Greek poet Horatio or Horatius. Horatio, yeah. Um, who I think it was him who wrote the poem "The The Hound of Heaven." Mm -hmm. I think. What de best demonstrates um, love and appreciation is your pet, your dog, in a way that <coughs> without with unconditional love, and um, and so God comes for us. And I am I'm I'm trying to get into into the mind of Augustine, mm. um, given his history. Um, that eventually he, as it were, succumbed to the love of God and therefore change and conversion in his life. Mm. Um, and, 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 and some would say it's because Monica's mother had been a praying mother. Mm. Um, so the question is, do we see love at work in creation? Mm. And I would say, yes, when we see the beauty um, of the morning and the beauty of the evening, mm. and you like, wow. And so love captivated in the sight of beauty makes me want to pursue the creator of that beauty, of um of that generosity uh, that uh, enables my eyes and ears to captivate and my heart to respond with, um, with gratitude uh, mm -hmm. to the generous outpouring of beauty. So in that, one 
pursues uh, the, the if, if 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 this beauty is so generously shown to us, revealed to us, uh, then is that not the gift of a lover to the beloved? Um, is that mm. not the, the rose petals, or is that not the um, the, 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 the attraction of, <coughs> of love caught up in the beauty of creation. And then mm-hmm. when I look at Jesus, I see perhaps one word that tells me um, how much God loves me um, is his solidarity with my brokenness, which mm-hmm. I can't manage which I can't even fix. And when I look at what he did and what he said and how he was to other humans, I'm that human that he ministered to with eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear and limbs that could not walk. And, um, and, and, and an, an attitude that was bowed down in servanthood that calls me to stand up straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he takes all of this and hangs on the cross as the bearer of full solidarity with my brokenness in order to give me healing and wholeness, which is again that outpouring of and the abundance of beauty. Mm-hmm. And so um, the prophet, um, and in fact, in, 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 interesting that you said, you, you know, that we in this conversation now, because in this week, um, I recalled in my devotions, um, uh, the prophetic message he gave me beauty for ashes mm. you know, i'm ashes he gave me beauty um the oil of uh, 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 to anoint me so that blessing and so the outpouring of god of god's self uh, even as we are called to rely upon god's spirit who promised to us uh, to, to whom we can call upon when we need to understand things and when we need wisdom and when we look at the gospel and, and we read it and we don't understand it and then we read it prayerfully and find a message that sparkles in its narrative and in the words in which it's been written in the context from which it comes to the people mm. that it was written originally. In that story, we see uh, the active movement of love. And then when God enables us to follow a path of reconciliation, when relationships in our lives have broken down, uh, when we are able then to find one another. I had a mother who, I have a mother who worried about me and my anger, what she predicted, my anger towards white folk. And I had the privilege of working amongst people who were the, the color of the oppressor. In my time, um, they must have gone through some crossing overs, um, and I must have gone through crossing overs to be able to, for eight years, eight and a half years, to to work in a community and to help build that community, mm. and not to have around words floating that would judge and condemn. But when we have to speak tough, we do mm. so because we love. So, so for me. Um, all of the signs of creation, of redemption, of sustaining the world are revelations of the beauty that God pours out 
And when I look at that beauty, I see it as an act of love for me, for us together mm. all over the world. And so I want to respond. I want to pursue the lover who is so generous in pouring out what I need, what uplifts my soul, the, that which gives me hope, mm. that which helps me to restore. I see that as the act of love and the movement of love, um, the rhythm of love, mm. which is a very necessary rhythm that we need to be tuned into in order to live our lives. Mm. And I'm not going to use the word successfully because that's not the purpose of life. It's not to live <laughs> successfully. I don't know why we use that word. But, but it is. It's just to, how we define that success that's that's the problem. So you living successfully is uh, biologically passing on your genes to a next generation. So it's being good enough to find a mate and then passing on those genes to another. So like you remove everything else and that is a successful life as like organic beings. So that solves Einstein's theory of relativity. <laughs> no, again, Einstein was proven right this week. We had our first um, uh, picture of the supermassive black hole that's at the center of our galaxy called Sagittarius A. Um, so yeah. we finally received those those kind of pictures. It was an amazing story. It was the, it was kind of the first week of the window that they had to get that picture that they got it, and it's it's incredible. And it turns out once again, Einstein was right. Yeah, well, I listened to to a doctor uh, from Athlone who was astrologist, and mm. fantastic conversation she had with Clarence uh, on. Cape Talk uh, mm. in the latter part of the morning. And and the more she spoke, the more I tried to ask myself the question, so what has that all got to do with me? Mm. Uh, when she describes the black hole and when she found the first black hole, you then discover that there are more black holes around. They pop up just so ever now and again. And we're talking here light years away yeah. uh, from where we are. Um, and and And... She used the word curiosity mm -hmm. um, that, that brought her there. So billions, billions of universes mm -hmm. is described in the language she spoke. And I sit and wonder and I say, and I mean, I was like critical about one point she made. She made a point that said, if we didn't capture that moment, then all of that information would have been lost as it went into the black hole to to the human species. And I, I say to myself, is it really lost? Just gone somewhere where you and I can't get up. But our <laughs> language defines that it's lost forever. <laughs> so I wonder at the movement of space. I wonder at all of the, the, the movement up there that we're looking for um, what, what are we looking for through all of these fantastic microscopes that we don't use when we have to look at things on the earth? And they call us, she called us, insignificant in comparison to these universes. And uh -huh. I suppose that is true. That is true. Yet why does this insignificant, why, why do we experience 
the outpouring of such generosity, of such discoveries from our little point in the universe. And it fascinates us. It lightens our spirit. It gives us hope. It makes us achieve PhDs. And hopefully all that knowledge would be transferred into how do we address poverty? How do we address mm-hmm. broken marriages? How does the universe, whom we can see through these fantastic uh, microscopes that we are now building a new one in Namibia, to even look deeper into space, it'll be the first one in all of the world, the biggest one in all of the world, to look deeper into space for what are we looking there and when we see what we see, how do we translate our discoveries into hope for our little pinhead um, colony of 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 Earth? So, so there was a there was an interesting analogy that was used in the press release um, from the National Science Foundation um, of, with the with the discovery uh, announcing the discovery, and uh, one of the the scientists was saying that they were, they were relating it to you us from our perspective looking up into the sky what does this supermassive black hole that is 40 what's it i think of four thousand times or four million times bigger than our sun or at least more massive that, that's correct there yeah. than, than than our sun but uh, again black holes are the only thing that we know of that mass can scale without size uh, which is just a crazy concept holding your head but anyway so it was said, the quote was, it would be for us as if seeing a, a donut on the moon. And it was just absolutely ridiculous to me. Because it's like, that is impossible to see with a naked eye anyway. So why would you even relate it to that thing? Yeah, because look, I, I, I think that in order to understand its meaning, uh, it, it, we have to relate it to what we know in minuter forms uh, with our physical eyes to, to captivate. But again, in the explosion of the, of the, of the, of the universes, uh, in the language of the astrologists and biophysicists and all of the science world, again, my, my th- thesis as a theologian priest is to say, so Lord, you are showing us all of this. We are curious about it. Is this part of the explosion of your ongoing love for a world that is curious and a world also that seeks to find maybe an illusion away from its problems because we can't fix poverty, it would seem. We can't fix. I mean, I, we spoke about this the other day, the amount of money that uh, Elon Musk spent to purchase Twitter mm-hmm. could give each person living on this earth at least five billion, one-fifth of that amount for every human being that currently lives on the earth. And, um, but, but that, is not the reality of our world. So yes, we're investing in this, and it's probably necessary because 
we need, I suppose, to know what is going on out there because we want to know how we fit into all of this, <laughs> you know, and especially when she said we are like a little town, and she didn't say that, but that was in my mind, we are a little township on the periphery of the, of the, of the central city. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and that we really are not even part of all the action that goes on out there, which the naked eye can see through these uh, different mirrors. Um, but it is important for us to know it's part of our celebration, uh, you know, that we are part of such an incredible world um, where, I mean, I would never have been able to fathom it and still can't when they tell me we are living in a universe with billions of universes that are exploding every day into new reality. That's just incredible to think that we are part of such a magnificent creation. Yeah, my, my apologies for my dogs. I have no idea what's happening outside. Uh, but then you, you, you reveal something that is, is very peculiar to humans. So. Um, in, in the gospel, according to John 13, verses 31 to 35, I'm going to take you to my favorite, which is a cornerstone of the Christian faith, um, or at least Jesus's entire philosophy as well. Verse 34, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, also should you love another, one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. So there's two ways you can read this. So most people read it. Most Christians will read it as saying that, uh, okay, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a stretch. Uh, it's a little bit of mental gymnastics here. But most people will understand it in the context of Jesus died for Christians because he loved Christians. And then it's like, no. Jesus says, even in the Sermon on the Mountain, the Beatitudes, in this, all of the cornerstones of his philosophy that he is being quoted as being said, it's never about Christians. Like he loved the disciples as humans. And if they continue though, that chain of love with other humans, then that kind of works out. And then you'll see that you are affiliated with him. So I was watching the footage from Israel with the journalist, the Palestinian journalist who was killed and the Israeli military police assaulting the people in the funeral procession um, unarmed. And the fallout on social media, uh, the, the usual suspects obviously defending um, Zionism, defending Israel. Um, asking questions about whether why Israel is always guilty until proven innocent in the eyes of certain people. And there's a lot of the tensions always split along religious lines, and it's never about humanity. Where here you have the father of Christianity, literally, who is never referencing a religion. Let me first say, um, perhaps this is my first time to be able to say publicly our deepest sympathy to that 31-year-old, a brave lady who 
whose job it was to ensure that from her perspective, uh, uh, the truth be told about what's going on um, for the sake of edifying wider readership uh, and help them in their responses and in the way that they were to live. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it was quite, excuse me, quite interesting that when talking about her being buried, uh, how uh, uh, the news reporter said, and she will be buried alongside her parents. Mm. So quite obviously her parents had already died. How? We don't know if it was just natural death. But she lived in a very volatile circumstance. Mm. Her weapon was uh, uh, the, the tip of her pen to observe, to research, to inquire and to write narrative, uh, to tell the story as a witness. Um, and my understanding would be that the intention was to open people's mind more broadly. Is this really what we want to live for or not? Now, what then, my question would be, what then are people holding on to? What is Israel defending against the Palestine, the Palestinian? What is America defending against the rest of the world? What is China defending? Uh, what is the ANC or the DA defending? What's the EFF defending that would put them into a warlike uh, uh, conflict with others being either verbal or um, a, a, a war with weapons that that, that kill. Uh, what what's the principles that are governing their mindset and their actions and their deliberations that would now not only like in this lady's death, not only did they purposely silence her voice by killing her, they then lie about who killed her. So there she is, as credible a witness as she wants to be in that context. Mm. Now her, uh, she, she's even being lied about in her death, over which she doesn't have any control. So what are people holding on to that would make them have weapons to protect that? Yeah. To preserve yeah. that. And if it's anything other than love, then that principle that they seek to hold themselves to, if it engenders war, if it's retaliatory, if it is with a sense of mass destruction, if it's to empower, uh, if it's to imprison others and be empowered over others, then it cannot be the law of love which Jesus was. Uh, 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 appropriating and appropriating this within the context of a community that had to learn how that commandment, its meaning had to be for their lives. So they had to look at this just as I have loved you. When I, when I, when I read John 15 uh, verses 7 to 12 at a wedding service, those words come up again. So it seems to be a major theme in the Gospel of John. So I look to the couples and I say to them, because they are both professed Christians, and I say, do you know how Jesus loves you? Do you really know that? 
Have you focused on that? Have you thought about that? Because Jesus is saying to you in this, that the commandment I give you to love your husband and your wife is just as I have loved you. So now we have to dig into that and say, so what does that mean? Because he is now really telling them that all the time he's been with them, all the time he's been on the face of the earth, he has grown to love. He has demonstrated that in the narratives that we see. Um, and now he's basing, he's, he's getting ready for his speech of departure. This was the chapter in which he was washing the feet of the disciples eventually mm. in preparation for them of his death. So the community I'm going to build an alternate society with you, that, that the kernel and the principle that you will, you will live by is to love one another just as I love you. So your loving one another is a celebration, an ongoing celebration of my love for you. Uh, uh, in verse chapter 15, uh, there's a text that says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, abide in my love. Mm. So, so all of that meant that they had to reflect on just as I've loved you. How has Jesus loved me? How has Jesus loved me so that I can learn how to love you? So then we need to look at Jesus and what in his person, in his words, in his actions, demonstrated that love for us. Um, one of which would be he called them to follow him, thus sharing in his, not just his earthly life, because that was evident, but in his heavenly mission for the earth. Uh, to be drawn into that, to become included in something you had no no vision for. Uh, Peter in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, is fishing. Mm. And Jesus said mm. to them, throw on the, on the left side or whatever it is, or the right side. <coughs> and then they hurled in the fish. And, 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 Jesus, and, and Peter then realized, you know, yeah, uh, Lord, leave me. I'm an, un, I'm an unclean man. And then he, Jesus says to him, don't worry. I will make you catch people. I will make you win people for me. And how was that going to be? And and people were not uh, based in just a a racial context um, or a border context. Yeah. It was people across the board, so that the the community in which Jesus was calling them was inclusive. I mean, he had their Judas Iscariot. He had, there was an opportunity for a Judas Iscariot to be part of the discipleship of Jesus, of the sons of thunder, John and James, of Simon the Zealot. How did Jesus, Peter the fisherman, all of these people from, with all of these clashing personalities, he draws them into a community. Um, uh, and what were they meant to learn? Just as I've loved you. So mm. you also should love one another. So he was building a community which celebrated love. Now, where did it all go wrong? Because somehow, even in the church, we fail to talk about love and mm. loving one another. I, I became intentional a little while ago when I saw how we ended off our chats or ended off our messages to one another, uh, kind regards, 
And possibly the, the intention when we were writing to a friend or a colleague or a family member was that in the regards part, you know, um, is a measure of me saying that I love you and appreciate who you are. But yeah. I become mm -hmm. more intentional because I learned this from one of my other colleagues where he braved it enough to say, love and peace be with you. Now, love and peace makes it a little bit more easier to not just say love <laughs> because that in itself becomes a challenge. So break it down, love and peace. I'm getting there, but I'm not just fully there where I want you to say, I yeah. love you. You know, I've been writing to my cousin and my brother on, on chats and stuff, to my mom on recent times, and I've been saying that, love you. You know the power of using that words? To somebody perhaps you haven't used it before? Um, you know how liberating it has become for me? Because now I'm looking at the person in a whole new light. Mm -hmm. um, but now, when I'm influenced by war, when I'm influenced by difference, when I'm influenced by classism and all those things that shape my warlike behavior, my enmity, um, looking into a brother's eye, but not seeing a brother, seeing an enemy. Mm. What makes another human being like that? When here Jesus says, as I've loved you, I've looked into your eye and I said, I've loved you and I accepted you even though you don't even know yourself properly. Mm. I've loved mm. every bit of you. So now I'm saying you sh should love one another just as I've loved you. Look mm. into each to the mm. brother and sister's eyes to be able to say that you love them without wanting anything from them. Just mm. appreciating who they are with all the differences. And yet we are taught to be enemies. We, we are not, mm. and I think last week that was, that is what, Nelson Mandela's words were when I had a week ago on it. We people are taught to hate. They're not taught to love. Mm. And yet when a child is born, first thing the mother wants that child to know is I love you. Mm. You're lovable. And so how does the church recapture that word, the essence of that word, and of that message? Because isn't that what we are on about? But there, there, there is an opportunity. Um, and and it's, laid bare, it's laid bare here in, in the, the Acts passage, which is Acts uh, chapter 11, verses 1 to 18, where the apostles and the believers throughout Judah heard that people who were not Jewish had been had accepted God's word. However, when Peter went to Jerusalem, the believers who insisted on circumcision began to argue with him. They said, you went to visit men who were uncircumcised and you even ate with them. So then Peter gives them the story about this vision that he had where a sheet came down and it had wild animals, reptiles and birds. And then there was a voice that was like, get up, Peter, kill these animals and eat them. And he was like, no, I can't do that. I've never put any impure or unclean thing into my mouth. And then the voice said, don't say that the things which God has made clean are impure. So there is the important thing. This is a, 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 a direct message about tolerance, where if they are homosexuals, any 
anybody, if you believe that God created everything in existence, so the universe, the supermassive black hole, Sagittarius A in the center of our galaxy, um, all of these things, if you believe that God created all of that, it is impossible for you to also hate other people who God created because they don't fit into your warped idea of what people should be like. Yeah. So, so, so we need then to become like Peter, to dream the dreams God wants us to dream that would help us become architects that will help restructure the mindsets in which people have been shaped and formed. You see, people are looking for security. And so a certain level of identity gives them a certain amount of security. Mm. What love does is love makes you very vulnerable. To love another human being unconditionally makes you vulnerable. Mm. And yet, makes you strong. Uh, if the theory of relativity fits into all of that and helps us with that, then I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. But when we are secure in saying, no, I don't eat that because I was taught how not to do. No, I don't associate with Palestinians because I'm a Jew and there's no crossing over. No, I can't associate with white folk or black folk because, you know, I've been taught by my parents that there's difference. And now I need some form of intervention, some sort of divine intervention and inspiration. We must dream the dreams of God, like Peter dreamed the dream of God, to help him come out of his own prejudice. Because that same Peter in Acts, in the letter to the Galatians, Paul wrote how he had to challenge Peter because Peter didn't want to eat with the Gentile people. And, yeah. and so he actually took Peter to task, if you go and read in the first chapter of the letter to the, to the Galatians. So I think that's one of the reasons, as I said to you some time ago, I love scripture because it tells you what's really what's really going on and what we have to deal with and what we are called yeah. to be and live, uh, because these are the realities that face us. It shows that the people who, 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 who opposed Peter had to listen to his story. And, 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 and it was then that they were convinced. It says they heard this and had no further objections. They even went about praising God for that. Mm. So they were receptive to that message. Now, what messages are people receptive to? Uh, because the message has to go through all the stuff that you've been raised with to believe as the pillars of your life. Yeah as if they are unchallengeable. Um, and so we hold on to them because we want some kind of inner security. And yet, love is what makes us far more secure because it binds us to one another. Just as I've loved you, you are to love one another. It sets you up into a community. Um, whereas in your... Um, in your difference, you're pulling away from each other. Mm. You are distancing yourselves from each other. And that will leave you in the space of loneliness. Jesus was building a world and a community on the values of the kingdom, which was the value of love and justice. Mm. So what kind of world are we building 
with 50 political parties, all with their own persuasion. Yeah, but uh, that's different. Science and religion don't really bother with Oh, no, they need to talk to one another. No, but they, they, they don't bother with interpersonal relationships. Oh, they need to. They need to. Science's imperfections need to be helped by religion. Um, uh, narratives, as religious narratives have to be helped by science discoveries. Mm. And we don't do that. We are losing ourselves. But therein lies the lies science of love Jesus is telling us about. <laughs> so, so, so in my, in my view of Jesus as, as a philosopher, like I'm not going to go out and arrange all these customs and sets of practices around living that life and this this is this has <coughs> always been the issue like the central issue i've had with with religion is like there are amazing philosophies out there like this this for instance laid plainly love humans you know we are all humans love all humans that's 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 the vibe everybody is welcome with everybody there's like Jesus never want, or at least in my reading of, of scripture, Jesus never explicitly says that there must be a system of worship built up around what he was preaching. But we humans create these tribes and make up all these little rules so that we can be better people and and i just don't don't jive with that well when you when you look at the word disciples those who follow our lord jesus christ mm -hmm. would then in their gathering would find uh, how do they honor their lord and master mm. um in rituals of celebration and thanksgiving they would heed to him saying, please break the bread and drink of the cup in a worshipful way so that you remember me. Mm. So, so when you pray, you pray to the Father through my name in the power of your spirit, you pray collectively so that you can also hear one another's prayers, affirm each other's prayers, and then also be able to um, help each other grow uh, in that in that uh, the discipleship would also be um, what was the narratives that he taught us? What were the purpose thereof? And what are we have to understand? And how are we to grow our own understanding about what we ought to be living out there and speaking out there? How did these narratives help them to grow in confidence, in sharing with the world in, in, its, in its context of oppression and, and, and war? So it's nece necessary that those who follow Jesus will find uh, a need to come together, to gather, to, so that we help one another in growing in our discipleship, in our understanding of the Lord, in our call to follow his ways to achieve his mission through whatever ministries that he, that he does. Now, the question, of course, is when you start that, let's say, the house church movement in, mm. in, in, in Acts, and we see this in the letters, why did they suddenly become so complicated? Um, was it then the influences of the world when they saw the benefit 
of these of these gatherings and what they were what they would what they meant you know um Daryl Constantine captured that placed it on a an international level that it was was it I don't know whether it was intended to be that way uh, mm-hmm. when you and I came to this earth we found it like that I'm part of an institution that's international um that that uh, um has an international voice and has international witness, all of which is not not credible stuff. Mm. You know, colonialism used the Anglican Church as a as a vehicle for its purpose to colonize people. Well, the Anglican um, Church was invented as a vehicle for divorce. <laughs> well, it was to protect the king. Yes, and even there, you have to admit to those kind of things. But you know. Whilst they there exist, the you know the, the 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 person in the pew, that grandmother or mother who has loved the Lord all her life, in spite of all the things that have gone on around that she's never given. I will I will stop you there quickly. Does she love the Lord? Or I'm I'm using she uh, as like a collective kind of yes yes noun for for a, a whole bunch of people. Do they love the Lord or do they love the act of worship? You know, the, the, the act of worship enables them to come into some kind of a, a contact with who they are worshipping. Mm-hmm. It is a way in which they are brought closer to, to him. Um, it's so I mean that's what I feel when I when I I love the words the opening words of the liturgy. Uh, um, uh, I'm, I, I, some of my colleagues uh, tend to think that we must start the liturgy by saying good morning and welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, liturgy worship is the Lord be with you, mm-hmm. or the Lord is with you, and also with you the response. And I love just to know that you know. You as a as as one created in the image of God, as one redeemed by Jesus, as one with whom the Spirit is sustaining the life of God within us. I want to celebrate God's presence with my brothers and sisters. Um, that not only when they're there in the church, uh, building worshiping with me, but that they may be reminded that every day that must be their reality. That is their reality, even though we. We get on with life and forget about that. But somehow those words for me are the most powerful coming at the beginning of a service to remind us what is this all about? And as one colleague put it nicely, says we are created to celebrate the presence of the Lord. And what kind of presence do we have of the Lord? One of creativity, love, sustainability, redemption. So when mm-hmm. that when that grandmother who's been in church from childhood um, reflects on worship, she is there and the vehicle is worship. But ultimately, it's a way in which we are 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 are, are longing for God's revelation of Himself mm-hmm. through the actions of worship in Scripture. Uh, to, to hear his voice in in um, the beauty of hymns, 
in artistic um, celebrations such as music, dance, or whatever the church has within it. Mm. All of those um, re- would reveal uh, a way in which God has come near to us, just where I am in my context. I have a prayer in the liturgy now, as you would see, to ask people to stand um, based on the invitation Jesus has made in Matthew 28. Uh, Come to me all who are in pain and heavy laden and I will refresh you. And I and I ask people to stand, not to tell us what their burden is, but to stand. And and, and I have found very positive response. Mm. Stand and helps me just to pray collectively in the name of God into whatever it is they're going through. Mm. Um, the, the name of God, the healing name of God, the redeeming name of God. So yes, I think it is that at the end of the day, people don't say, just say the the worship was good. They will say, God is good. Mm. Now, I I, I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I actually got a little bit emotional now uh, because um, my mother obviously went through a lot um, to give us the life that, that we have, to uh, summon the courage to get out of a, a relationship that that was not the best for her, um, and to move her children into a situation that could be the bedrock for a successful life. And I do not think she would have been able to walk that journey without her connection to to the faith, without her, her love of of God. And and I have enormous respect for for what what you have just said there and 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 on that note i i think I, i'm gonna close off uh for for the evening lest i start crying here on live on air um, thank you very much <laughs> thanks Lindsay, <laughs> for a very lovely conversation i appreciate you my brother and to all the nurses and to everyone who's listening thank you very much <laughs> for tuning in but specifically to the nurses it was international nurses day um in this week and just thank you thank you for being you thank you for choosing a vocation um that affects so much of humanity um we really would not function as a society without you absolutely and our hats off to all of you um even those who are on retirement still have it in you to serve in that capacity and then of course accolades to the one lady at um somerset hospital who dared to help a depressed uh, uh, alleged murderer drop his gun um in a in a tense state where blood was flowing and people had died um what an amazing example she has set for us thank you very much for listening